0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This perfect pine tar for breakfast podcast episode is brought to you by Campo's Cheesesteaks and Delhi. And it is the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia today. May 29, 2020 is the 10-year mark of Roy Halladay's perfect game. So why not? Let's have the guy that called it, Scott Fransky, joining me right here on Pintar for Breakfast.
1: In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Francis
0: sends everybody home. Ball in. Coming, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pintar for Breakfast. And today is a uh, perfect tar for breakfast episode. Well, semi. Let's go semi-perfect, cause I'm on here, but the great Scott Fransky is gonna be joining me. So why not? I mean, we could just let's let's do this. I'm gonna play some sound, bring him in, and let him react. How about that? Well, the perfect call to the perfect game. Ten years ago today, Miami. Little. I mean, today is that warm in Philadelphia and humid, so it's like Miami. Yeah. Scott Fransky, what's up, dude? How you doing, pal? <sighs> well, you know, I'm bored.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're bored. You seem to be working a lot. Yeah, a lot of those pine tar for breakfasts yeah. out there on the. Yeah,
0: I'm just trying. I'm just trying to do, do you know do do my best and keep everyone informed of what's going on in Philly's world. But uh yeah,
1: yeah, I'll tell you what's what's been going on in Philly's world. You celebrated a birthday recently. Happy yeah. birthday! Yeah. I'm Thirty-eight. What are you 38? I am a... old. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there, okay, pal.
0: Uh, well, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, I get it, but yeah, um, yeah, it was all a fun old, day. I mean, all look, those
1: old guy jokes that I've played on Larry Anderson for these years—it's going to start to come back. It's coming you know. right back to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Amata in Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia, is my favorite restaurant in the entire country. Favorite mm-hmm. meal, favorite everything. Sweet sponsorship, great, great hopefully, spot, at some point in yeah. time. Anyway, yeah. uh they uh they're obviously closed but they I mean I'm sure they were doing dine in, take out, whatever, but we weren't gonna go to dinner, and I love going there. So Amanda and Tenley recreated the entire like my favorite meal from there. Oh, yeah, pretty insane. Nice, not gonna lie, That's it was very pretty cool. awesome. Paella, oh, so good. You
1: like paella, huh? Love paella. You don't yeah. like paella? I don't. I haven't had uh and I I had paella last year in uh in Barcelona actually. And I just I don't know. Well, not for me.
0: Yeah. Hey, to each their own. Yeah. Uh so let's talk about this. You go uh go back in your memory bank. I know we we've, we've already addressed that you're old. So 10 years mm-hmm. ago you would have been uh 38, right? Yeah. 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 Same age as me calling a perfect game. like it, it, You and I've talked about this a lot off air when doc would get on the mound. It, it, you know, there was always that, that chance, right? I mean, you always knew that there was a chance that something great could happen, but that night, did you like go into there going, Oh man, this is going to be a perfect game. No, no chance. No,
1: of course <laughs> not. And you know, he had pitched really poorly his last, his time before that, um, So he had a sense that, that he would be, you know, he'd kind of get back on track and that sort of thing. Um, But, uh, you know, I heard the broadcast, a rebroadcast of that not too long ago, um, I don't know, a month or two ago, uh, sometime (laughs) during this pandemic. And um, I know that we started talking about it on the air by the end of the third inning, you know, I mean, like, Like you could start to see it, and it it got into the middle innings. You could really, you're like, man, this guy's really good tonight. Yeah, Um, he's really, really good tonight, uh, for sure.
0: Well, okay, so you have LA, and and I I feel like all baseball players, when it comes to like no hitters and perfect games, somewhat superstitious, right? And, And the fact that you guys started talking about it like the third inning, I mean, that's that's the part where you're going, okay. You guys stayed in the moment. You made sure that the radio fans knew what was going on at all times. But it's like, I watch you work. I've, I've discussed that a lot on this. Is I, as you go, you'll go back and forth between some notes here and there. But you'll start jotting things down if if something starts to come up that is historical. It's not anything laid out before a game. It's not like, uh, you know, home run calls for, for number 500 or 600 people write it out and have to speak it and do that instead of it's off the cuff like what any did you start kind of doing that research of
1: <laughs> uh, uh i think by be... the time yeah by the time we got to the sixth because again um we're uh as you well know when we're doing this on the radio we're pretty much on our own um especially in a road situation where the only other person in the booth is, uh, the, the engineer, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in this case, it was, uh, our, our, old pal, Jim Yelton, the late, great Jim Yelton, hmm. um, who, uh, we did many, many games with, uh, there in Miami and, um, but Jim, I'll come back to Jim in a minute cause he actually plays into the story of that night. But, uh, I, I th- I'd say by the sixth inning we started, I like, I would try to get, um, our old, uh, I believe it was Ian Cohen back in the studio that night. Uh, but I'm not positive of that, but I started trying to figure things out during breaks, hmm. all right? How many, how many perfect games have there been? You know, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I had the number. Okay. Yeah. It's so many in the, in the regular season, there's one more in the playoffs with Don Larson in the, in the world series. You know, the, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure I have this all right. Um, and, uh, Larry was nervous as all get out uh, as it started to get late in the game, which was really funny to be around. And uh, because Larry is so, you know, even.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you know, like he doesn't get wound up. No, his
0: his blood doesn't uh, boil over other yeah, than umpires. He was
1: so, he was so <laughs> like, yeah, no, he was so nervous for Doc, wow. I, I think, um, you know, and and to – sort of to you know and again I, you know you sort of separate like it's not that it it wouldn't have diminished it any had it ended up being just a no hitter for instance but the fact that it was a perfect game um, and it was only the 20th in the history of the game at that point um, like we were both pretty nervous for Doc and for the moment I think um, so I'd say probably the sixth inning we started trying to make sure we had the right, um, perspective on it, you know, historical perspective and whatnot. I, I,
0: I just can't, I can't imagine being in that as far as being in the booth. I mean, cause you, I'm not a nervous guy. I just have a lot of excitement. I just love, I don't know.
1: I love good things. Yes. You bounce around a lot.
0: I don't know if I would have been able to keep the headset on. I would have been pacing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would have, had a difficult time uh sitting still in that regard and um there wasn't a whole lot of, it was a those booth the booth there the old dolphin stadium wasn't exactly spacious so there wasn't a whole lot of roaming around to be done um i do remember probably by the seventh inning i remember texting my wife uh and making sure she was aware of what was going on and listening And I I think I just said, you might, I think it's really, I think I said you might want to turn the game on or something like that. And uh, I think at first she was like, yeah, whatever. I got laundry to do or something. I've got, you know. I got got, got a thing. Yeah, exactly. My son was a month old at that point. Um, He had just been born the month before. And um, so at some point, in the eighth inning, maybe she actually sent me a picture of my son Gus in his bassinet next to the, <laughs> the long since gone, uh, clock radio next to the bed. <laughs> um, but he, and she, her text was, you know, he's listening or whatever. So, um, that was pretty cool to, to, and now I look at him today, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, Jesus, this might,
0: that's, know, that's yeah. the
1: craziest part. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe it's been ten years. It really is, but that for me, like looking at him, yeah, my my son, and and like you see the span of time there since since it happened. Um Yeah. Isn't it yeah. crazy that,
0: that that's what will always mark it too? It was like, well, he was yeah. uh, a month old. Now he's well, what year is it? What, yeah. What now he's saying?
1: ten. Now he's fifteen. Now he's twenty. Right. Exactly. Oh. Um, yeah. Did that? Did that yeah. give
0: you an added uh, like a. a you didn't need any extra adrenaline at that moment. Right. I mean, because there, that, that is flowing for you with with someone going with something like that. But for Lori to text you in a picture and and all that stuff of Gus listening at one month old, that give you added like, all right. Yeah. Like it just,
1: yeah, it was was added emotion, added excitement, added, um, um, sort of uh, help to frame the, the situation of, you know, history of the making or whatever. But, uh, you know, again, that's, those are all of our little personal, uh, side lights of what one guy did, uh, on the mound, which, uh, was as you know, he did all the hard work. Uh, the guy was unbelievable. Um, hey, you know, uh, I mean, I've said, per- I've said before and I know you played with him and yeah. and, and watched him up close. Um, but, for me that 2010 season like I think back on some of the best seasons yeah I've 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 witnessed a singular player have uh, you know in 2002 I watched Alex Rodriguez every day um, play shortstop USP. in the heat in Texas well <laughs> you know we we come to find some things out later but you know whether it's that or whether it's a a phenomenal year, you know, you might've watched bonds day in and day out that, that year that Halliday had sort of start to start like the whole, it was, he was just unbelievable. He was, he was so uh, incredible to watch. It was so incredible to watch his, um, his work ethic, his demeanor, obviously his ability, um, you know, uh, you know, it was amazing. It was one of the best. It's one of the best complete seasons by a baseball player that I, I have been able to witness.
0: Well, it just for me with a guy like Doc and for you to describe that uh, I wasn't around it that year. Uh, and, and seeing it later on, his preparation and everything I, was so unbelievable. It was so meticulous. It was perfect. Yeah, and it's like when you see a guy pitch a perfect game, locked in, dialed in as as much in, as as he was, uh, you're just going. It just matches who he is every day. It, it. I. I don't know. Like, there's certain people that have to have a perfect game that need a perfect game because what they do. Like, uh, you know, Max Scherzer is a guy that I think of now that needs a perfect yeah. game. You know, he's got he's got two no hitters. But it's, like, that perfect game because the preparation, the, everything that he brings, it's like, that guy needs one. Why? And no one needs anything in this game. But it's just, like, it just matches up that they're, who they yeah, are it just as, feels, as a player. It,
1: it, right. It feels right yeah. for their resume. Yeah. Um, so, I, I would uh, – yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I, I would say um, – you know, Doc and the, the preparation, and, and you can obviously speak to it, and you did a little bit there. People used to ask me all the time, well, what's Doc like? Like, what's Roy Halliday like? I said, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know him. Um, if you want him, good luck finding him. Like, he's working. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. See, there okay. are there are guys who hang in the clubhouse, right? And oh, yeah. you know, I've never been one as a as a media member to hang in the clubhouse too much. But if you needed Doc for something, like it was an effort sometimes to find him. Yeah, and he um, wasn't. It wasn't him avoiding at all. No, no, no. no. I, it wasn't like he just hung out in the players' lounge, like hiding away. He was off working somewhere. He was analyzing video or doing something. Uh, you know. Uh, weights or running or training or there was always something that he was doing. It seemed like that, like, I, I don't know if you need something from doc, the last place to look is his locker. Because yeah. you, You're not going to find him there. Well,
0: the old adage, right? Like just doing something to make yourself better every day, right? Do something, yeah. every, every exercise, everything was to make him better. It was so crazy to think like, literally that's what he did. I, I, I love guys that were like his, now, I mean, it, it takes it to the chase, you know, Mark, because you have two guys that are so like minded that are as meticulous in their preparation as you could possibly have, who are obsessed with the game of baseball, who are obsessed with winning, who are obsessed with making sure, you know, the one thing I feel like because Chase and, and Doc, you know, are are that way and wired that way people forget that they, they were doing this because they didn't want any bit of themselves to lead, you know, take away from their teammates. They wanted to give themselves the best chance because they knew if they give themselves the best chance to win, their teammates are going to follow. And, and the leadership too, by the just example by those two was insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it is the embodiment of the total commitment to winning. And by by that, like you pointed out, it's not just what it does for you as an individual player. It is still a team sport. And Chase uh, knows as well as anybody and Roy knew as well as anybody that it took more than one player to make things, you know, to make great things happen, Uh, whether that was a World Series victory or whether that was you know, a special performance um, or two as a perfect game or no hitter or whatever. It took more than one person to make that happen. So
0: going back to that last out, I mean, the ninth inning, you know, Shane makes a great play in center field and uh, you know, you don't have Jimmy at shortstop. You have Wilson Valdez, you have Juan Castro at third base. So technically, I mean, you don't really have like Jimmy's a gold glover. Like he's, he's fantastic, but you have a fantastic defense behind him anyways. But it's just like when I – I've listened to that final out a bunch of times because I I, I find it – I love, you know, celebrations and stuff. I've told you that. But I love hearing what people say. And and for yourself, like there's – on that weird hop that takes on the last one for Juan Castro to his left and he spins and fires, not one bit of you is hesitant. Like it just goes through. You hear other people like, oh, oh," because – you know, everyone wants it in some way, but you're describing it in the moment. I'm going, damn, like that took a nasty hop on that field. Thank God it was not September when football was going on.
1: Yeah, really? Oh, that field would have been a disaster. <laughs> well, cause I want to say it was knows? 2006 or what?
0: 2007.
1: Yeah. I, it
0: might've been 2007. Uh, the dolphins played the jets on a Monday night football game. And it was downpour. They played, the next day, Marlins-Phillies, I will never forget. And I, I remember, that was like one of the first questions I asked Chase when I saw him and, and, you know, like, talked to him for a while. I'm like, do you remember? He goes, it was the worst field I've ever experienced in my life. So I couldn't yeah. imagine if that was, you know, in that time, in May ninth, 2010, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> that place was, uh, there was so, that field was just, just total baked city in the summer. Cause it was so hot. Yep. And, and they'd get these torrential rains. I mean, it must've been just a groundskeeper's nightmare. Um, just day in and day out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know the, um, the, like you said, the, 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 the end of the game is one of those things where you just, um, uh, see it and say what you see. And, uh, and react, I guess. I mean, um, like you said earlier, you, you can't plan for stuff like that. It just happens. So, um, uh, but nights like that, those are the things that for me, I mean, they make like, they make you want to be a baseball announcer because, (laughs) um, because I just feel like those things happen in baseball whether it's a, a no-hitter or perfect game or a triple play or a, a yeah. walk-off home run or, or um, you know, something, just amazing things happen. And, uh, and they could come at any time. I mean, you think back to, I guess it was last year, and then all of a sudden there's a game that there are 13 home runs hit, right? Like, um, just on a random day in the middle of a season in the middle of a random season a major league record gets set right like Mm -hmm. that it's this amazing so those are the things that that even the most cynical among us know that you know when we sit in that chair at seven o'clock um we've put our book down um and we've we've started with this blank canvas and and who who knows what's going to happen in front of us over the next Two hours and fifty nine to three hours and fifty nine minutes, right? Like, yeah, it's you know, um, so those are the things that uh, you know makes it pretty exciting to be a baseball announcer.
0: What's crazy is that like ten years ago today, and I and I knew I knew what today was for the Phillies organization. So I was involved in the Kendry Morales walk off grand slam, Broken Lake. That was mm-hmm. today, ten years ago, because I
1: remember being that was the same day, same huh? day.
0: I was in my yeah. apartment after the game because it was a day game and watching Doc's perfect game, you know, watching the end on ESPN. And it was just like, actually,
1: you know what, now that you mention it, yeah. I remember Larry and I talk about it during the broadcast
0: <laughs> that
1: night. Cause we had a night and it was a night yeah. game. Yeah,
0: And so I'm the one that caught Kendris at home plate. Like I'm the one that's like pounding on his chest, all excited, but he's going, Oh, Bobby. Ah. And I'm like, Oh, oh this man. is no good. But, I just remember going home and for 10 minutes, 15 minutes at that moment, losing sight of what happened during that day. And that's what baseball does, right? I mean, or, or sport does, it takes you away from that anxiety. You're going, man, this was like a horrible day for our team here in, in Los Angeles. And now you see this, you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then it reverts back to it. But I mean, I remember going back into the clubhouse the very next day after getting chastised by, uh, Soch, about you know walk off home runs and celebrating and all this stuff i just remember everyone talking about roy halliday and how all these guys that had been around and playing him or facing him are like surprises his first <laughs> surprise yeah and that that's one of the tory hunter going like i can't believe that's I i can't believe he did that I, I can't believe it's his first it should be his ninth
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, that's the way it got to feeling, you know, like that's the way it started to feel like those guys were going to, you know, that he, he could do that just about any time. Um, yeah, uh, you know, when I was, um, honestly kind of early on in my time as a real baseball fan was, um, being a baseball fan, I got really into it, uh, late in high school and college. And, uh, uh, as a fan of the Texas Rangers, they had acquired Nolan Ryan. And um, it's all he did. No hitter. You know, you talk about you talk about changing the headlines in a hurry. I remember Ricky Henderson uh, broke Lou Brock's record during a day game in Oakland, and then yep. that night Nolan Ryan threw his seventh no hitter. Yep. Um, and completely sent you know Ricky below the fold, as they say in the newspaper yep. business, right? Because Nolan was the ageless wonder, and it was his seventh no hitter. And I mean, that was the kind of thing. Like, and you know how many times he took a no-hitter into the sixth or into the seventh or into the eighth and you know like like every time he pitched it was must see tv and that was the same way with with doc and you know you're you know later when you know cliff lee was so good it was like you always expected cliff to get one at some point you know yep. like uh the, the way he pitched so I, I just those guys are just uh another breed and and uh and uh but, Yeah, like you said, it was. <laughs> I'm sure for some people who had to face him, it felt like he probably should have done it before that that night in Miami.
0: It's unbelievable. But, like, okay, so you bring up Ricky Henderson, Nolan Ryan. It's like that. I totally remember the Ricky Henderson stealing third, you know, and saying that he's the greatest that ever lived. Uh right. But then, you know, Nolan Ryan does his thing. <laughs> to think Nolan Ryan strikes out Ricky Henderson for his 5,000th K, too. It's like, yep. Ricky yep. couldn't get out of his
1: shadow. I was there for that game. Were you really? Yeah, I, I got a cheap ticket. I was basically, um, you know, lower right field, but like almost behind the foul pole. Yeah. Like, yeah. Gosh. In those old metal, old metal bleachers in Arlington.
0: There's, there's so many. Like you go on so many players that have, like these incredible, you know, numbers and history and all this stuff, and you're going. My
1: God, Nolan Ryan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's all you have to yeah. say?
1: He's amazing. He's unbelievable.
0: He only had, so, you know, everyone talks about like the amount of losses. He almost had 300 losses in his career. He only had a 319 ERA. That's it. Yeah. To have, to accumulate 5,300, almost 5,400 innings. Oh, like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's mind boggling sometimes to think like what he was and, you know, what he, what truly is to the game.
1: Yeah, he was uh, he was one of my favorites for sure. Um, I know uh, you know reading a lot about you know Doc here these last few days how much you know the that Nolan Ryan's uh, pitcher's Bible was a big part of uh, of Doc's uh, formative years as a as a pitcher you know and and training and kind of following some of the things that 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 Nolan Ryan did.
0: Scott, stop talking. Yeah, I'm gonna. I got to go to a break real quick. We got to go to Campos Deli. Be right back. More with Scott Franski right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. Wait a it's game time, and you're heading to Citizens Bank Park
1: to catch your fightin' fills, but you want the great taste of a Campo's cheesesteak. That's easy. Make sure you visit Campo's on Ashburn Alley. Whether you want a traditional cheesesteak or kick it up a notch with their signature sandwich, the heater, you can get the same award-winning steaks that you'll find at their 214 Market Street location in Old City. For the best cheesesteak in Philly, visit Campo's in Ashburn Alley. Campo's at 214 Market Street and CamposDeli.com. Philadelphia's cheesesteak since 1947.
0: Welcome back to Pitear for breakfast. I'm your host Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Still with me. Well, hopefully. Check 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 Scott Fransky. Oh yeah. Scott Fransky, the voice of your Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, uh with with everything that's going on obviously with Doc and and we we I feel like the entire pandemic we've been reminiscing so much on past games. Uh I like to talk about like the future of this game and not only, you know, just, it's not even the negotiating part. It's just like, just thinking about like this Phillies team. And as we get closer to hopefully playing, like, is there a belief in you that, yeah, this is going to happen? Like you're starting to psych yourself up or is there still that, you know, this, the cool, calm Scott Fransky?
1: I think I'm still, um, still reserved in my, uh, in my, uh, optimism. Hmm. Uh, I've, I d- I definitely have gone back and forth. Um, there were times, uh, in April when I thought there's no way this is going to happen. And then a couple of weeks later, I would get very optimistic about, about it happening. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think I'm still a little bit reserved in, um, in it all. And, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of psyching myself out for the whole, uh, if it went, if, and when they come to an agreement and figure this out, um, I know I'm going to have a few weeks to sort of prepare myself mentally to, to get back at it, to, to finally end this enormously long off season, yeah. <laughs> um, which is basically what it's like. I mean, um, you know, people ask me how weird is it to not be calling baseball, and I say, well it's really not that weird because there's no baseball happening um, like it just feels like I mean the temperature's different, yeah, but this is how I live in the off season, yep. right, um, but there is no baseball, so if now, if there were baseball games going on and I wasn't calling them, that'd be a different story, um, and I guess the conditions under which we would call games um, if they do get this going is going to be very different." Um, so that will be uh, an interesting test and challenge and, and whatnot. But, um uh, you know, we'll see what, what that looks like when we get there. But I, I think I'm still kind of reserved with my optimism f- yeah. for, you know, for, I hope they can figure it out. I really do. I, I think, um, I think it'd be good for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people have been through so much during this and, uh, whether it's, you know, a direct link to the, to COVID-19, the loss of loved one, so many people obviously affected by the loss of their salary or their job or, you know, their benefits, you know. Um, uh, This is, this is a defining moment in, in, you know, our nation's history, quite frankly. Yeah. And, um, and I know a lot of people would, would really relish I don't know how much it, it will truly matter but I know there's a bunch of people out there that it would matter a lot to to be able to say you know what whatever bad is going on I'm gonna turn on the ball game and see what's happening with the fans yeah. you know what I mean and uh, uh, that there, there are years um, and a lot of them I think where you know sports whether it's the Phillies or or, or football or basketball or whatever have provided a lot of, of uh, escape for people and uh, they can kind of unplug from the real world for a couple of hours. And, uh, and I, I think <laughs> if any time in history qualifies as uh, a moment where we might need to unplug from the real world for a little while, I think now is it.
0: Oh, no doubt. Like, so baseball to me, like when, when DJ, my brother was going through, you know, all his cancer bouts and everything and. Mm-hmm. baseball or the batting cage in the backyard was like, it was cathartic to me. Right. It, yeah, it, it just, yeah. it was a place where I felt like I was, I was good. Is yeah. that for you behind the mic? I mean, you got fa- the family part is, is always going to be number one, but I mean like for, for, you take family out of it. It's like it, a relief just to be in comfortable behind that mic to be able to talk to people or, you know, release whatever it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always felt, uh, fairly comfortable there. I mean, it's a, it's, uh, I don't know if it's, um, you know, I've never been through like what you, you went through and it, it would be hard for me to, to put it on the same level as that. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, me, I'm fairly relaxed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, no. uh, no. but I, I think what, I mean, the, the games are are fun. I love doing the games, but one of the things I love about doing the games is being with all of you guys, and so that's what um, I think that's what I miss most about all of this. It's not. I mean, again, I love doing the games, and I love watching the games, and I love seeing what might transpire every night, like we talked about earlier. But um, but it's being around uh, everybody, and it's being around it, and uh, yeah, you know whether that's um hanging in the in our office before game whether that's you know grabbing a, a questionable pregame meal at the press dining room in some ballpark you know not, not in, ours. Ours. Not in ours. ours is unbelievable no 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 i wanted to make that distinction but uh, <laughs> there are some out there that are a little questionable but yeah. we eat it anyways yep. <laughs> and then, you know or whatever and you you sit and it's and it's you, uh, you and I, and uh, you know Chris Ware, PR guy who's on the road, or Greg, or uh, you know Jim, or anybody, or uh, a couple of the beat writers. You know, you're just around a table with Matt Gelb and Todd Zalecki, and um, you're making jokes about each other. And um, I, you know, I don't know. I miss that. That's the stuff that I miss. You know, is that Maze? Yeah, that's Maze. Sorry about that. Uh... Maze. <laughs> Well, because, yeah, I mean,
0: like the camaraderie part is what we miss with, uh, you know, when you retire or you you walk away from the game. And that's the thing I miss. Like, look, I love the process of the game. I love prepping. I love doing all that. But I love giving so much crap to guys, like in the clubhouse. Right. I love getting the crap. Right. I love being, you know, guys making fun of me, me going back at them. And that's what you get with. You know our our broadcast room usually it's over ben's hair and you know how many times he's looking at it throughout the day uh um, right you know or or la and and you know stuff that he's saying that is uh, or crocker showing comical. up in
1: sweatpants or, oh or, you it's know, amazing you know
0: right uh i mean that bond that i feel like we've that I stepped into, which is what you guys have created over the years has been so much fun. And that's the stuff I miss. I mean, yeah, I love being around and calling the games. It's amazing. But like the interactions, like the, the, the that stuff, like being able just to see you and just, you know, have the conversation is, is another thing.
1: Yeah. I, you know, there may be other places where being a baseball broadcaster is just as much fun, but it's hard to envision it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for, for for so many different reasons, um, but n- number one of it well, number one of it is the personalities that we have uh, in our room. Um, they're just um, they're fun. They're they're good people. Um, they're good people that are like minded in a lot of ways in terms of the way they see the game and the way they approach the the broadcast and the way they. Um, alternately love it and hate it at the yeah. same time yeah. sometimes i don't know it just um and that's not to say we're all cookie cutter we all have our own unique uh viewpoints as well but but i just think i don't know there's a just a real good collection of people in that room i wish i wish everybody had that in their own job I, yeah you know i, I but isn't I think, that the um, isn't that the beauty of baseball
0: is yeah. it's not the it's not a cookie cutter thing it's not a no. game where Everyone has the same viewpoint on everything. I feel like well, you can go on every sport, and I feel like for the most part, for the most part, I'm not going to say all 100% on this, but everyone's era, everyone's whatever may be, their, their view on the game, the way it's changed, the way it's gone into the good, it makes the game. It makes that, that passion come out because we see passion from you know different eras. We see passion for the game itself. We see passion for the young talent that's coming up. I mean, there's, there's so much to, to digest when it comes to the game and how different everyone sees it.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's what, uh, a lot of us have, um, uh, sort of talked about, uh, as a antithesis to the analytic era age, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like one size doesn't fit all. Mm-hmm. And, um, one swing doesn't fit all and uh, one uh, grip doesn't fit all and one uh, stance or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. isn't that, hasn't that been part of the biggest joy of baseball over 50 to a hundred years is the uniqueness of everybody's stance. Um, Right. I mean, like, I don't know that to me, that's, that you that is part of the fabric of baseball that uniqueness and uh, i don't want to i'm not trying to rail on analytics no, i get that no, no, no. i, I not... get what i get what it brings to the game and i understand um uh a lot of the positives of it but i think you and i have talked about this enough uh, on the air and off that it is this is not a game for one size fits all no um and uh You know, everybody brings a different talent and everybody brings a different level of talent and everybody brings a different, you know, body or skill set or eyeballs or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we use all the tools that that player has to the best of their ability and and see what that does for you, you know, so.
0: I, I look at it when it comes to the swing. You bring up the swing, and there's no one swing for everyone. There's there's hitting gurus that are trying to teach one swing, and it's like they 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 break down these these you know big time hitters, and they're like, see, that's the swing. But it's right. not about the swing. Like you get to the big leagues, your swing is your swing. Like you're you're that you're damn good at what you do because your swing's awesome and all that stuff. It's the mindset. Like certain guy, like, you know, Pujols could talk about getting on top of a ball and, and that's what his thought process is. Well, that's how he gets into that swing that you're seeing. Like, it just, you can't, everybody's mind is different. Everybody's mentality, the confident confidence is different. Right. Yeah. And we all know, doesn't matter whatever walk of life, the higher the confidence that you have, the better you're going to do. Because why? Because you believe in everything that you're
1: doing. Yeah.
0: Um. Hey, uh, you know, to to go back on the Roy Halladay, and it's a, a question I've I I don't know if I've ever asked you. I feel like I've asked you about a billion questions and annoy the hell out of you on this one, but more nervous, perfect game, or setting up and and you know getting ready for the no hitter against the Reds in the playoffs by Doc? Uh,
1: more nervous, uh, uh, probably uh in Miami just um you know the not like I hadn't really been there <laughs> hadn't really been there before mm-hmm. um uh you know I mean we all right so if I could just nerd out for a minute I love nerding the, out you the play by play part of it so people send you know minor leaguers will send minor league announcers they will collect their best samples and they you know try to put together a a demo reel to to let people listen to it and and we'll get those sometimes people say hey listen to my stuff what do you think and they send um you know a lot of home run calls and things like that and um i'm not discounting the value of a great home run call but but that's what they send and Mm -hmm. i say hey why don't you send me a triple um in you know in the gap that scores two or you know um, or why don't you send me um, a unique play that's a pop-up to shallow left that the shortstop goes back and the third baseman goes out and the left fielder comes in and somebody calls off somebody and um, something weird happens, right? So show me the stuff that doesn't, let me hear the stuff that doesn't happen all the like time. Like the
0: one I, the one I let you listen to, the one where the shortstop <laughs> yeah. botches it yeah. and there's the rundown and I just
1: gave up. <laughs> right. Like a pickle. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> like, like, Play me back a good pickle. Because the thing is, that's something you only practice. You, I mean, you just can't practice. Moment, yeah. Right. It only happens every so often. So you get so few opportunities. I remember I, I had a triple play. Uh, the first time I'd ever seen a triple play, at least one that I was at the microphone for, I was in the big leagues. Like, I'd never seen one in the minor leagues. Wow. And so I totally butchered. it. Was a And it actually wasn't that hard. It shouldn't have been that hard. It was 5-4-3 triple play. Like, it was not a big deal. But I just butchered it, and I thought to myself, well, man, if I ever get another chance to do a triple play, like, I like want to be ready for it. Now I've, I've, I've called two others, I think. The um, mm-hmm. one to end a game, uh, unassisted triple play that Eric Bruntlett had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, you know, so the, the perfect game thing um, – I had done some no-hitters in the minors. Uh, then, but a perfect game, obviously. This is uncharted territory. And, um, you know, again, kind of nerve-wracking in the booth, or whatever. The playoff game was more sheer excitement um, at home. Oh, yeah. The, atmosp- the atmosphere was unbelievable. And, um, uh, you know, the other thing about that, no-hitter was, uh, in the playoffs, I I was off in the middle innings. Uh, Tom McCarthy came came in and did some innings in the middle. And uh, and honestly, that allows you to kind of, I don't know, collect your thoughts, yeah. collect your breath a little bit, and then you go back on for the seventh. Um, and I, I, I mean, I was never, I've never been particularly fond of the the call that I made in Miami. Yeah. Um, like I I can always find fault in every call that I make. Um, I can always listen back to it and go, meh, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, I, you know, there's always something I feel like could be better. Um, and I've always felt that way about the one in Miami. And I, 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 you know, one thing I wanted to, to try to do, you know the next time around I wanted you know I wanted it to be exciting but I wanted didn't want to just over the top kill it somebody asked me about that call the other day and they said the one in the playoffs they said you you gave the date and um, the quarter time past the hour right something like that yeah. and I don't remember the exact Quarter, quarter. past eight and um, and he said like what's you know like was that planned out and I said well it wasn't really planned out. And let's be honest, like, it was dumb luck that Brandon Phillips put the next pitch in play. Like, it could have been 10 pitches later. He could have yeah, fouled off a no bunch or taken, you know, like, I got lucky in that fact that. So now, when you listen back to it, it's like, oh, it's this little package, right? It's, yep. it like, it's almost, like, too good to be true, right? So that was just dumb luck, right? I mean, and we, we as announcers can do that all the time. It's like you know you're a strike away from a game ending and you set up all this stuff and you're like okay so it's, you know this you give the score and the outs and the count and the the situation and you know this is for everything you know the championship of the world and he fouls another one back you know i i gotta do it again and he oh, fouls yeah. another one back yeah exactly so you do it over and over again so and then um, you start thinking about all the different ways you're like okay what can i say now how could i do it differently right Um, I'm running out of options. (laughs) I've already done it that way. Um, So, yeah, you know, again, like not to overthink it or whatever, but I think probably the one in in Miami, I was just a little more just nervous um, because of all that was going on. Um, And then the one in the playoffs was more just sort of the thrill, the excitement of of the the crowd and the playoffs. Yeah. What's cool is
0: you already knew how many no-hitters have been thrown in, in, you know, Postseason history. <laughs> yeah. I think was, everyone uh, does.
1: <laughs> that was an easy one. And so that you're not like overthinking lot. that part, right? I, didn't I mean have it's to just look like him out. and Don yeah. Larson. Yep. Oh, he was amazing. That guy was unbelievable. Well
0: what what I find like the other part is just letting it breathe too and you do that. I mean it's like we've talked about this uh you know, a postseason walk off home run and Joe Buck like talks for like ten seconds and then lets it go for like two minutes and you're going. Yeah. Whoa. That's insane. Or you have some others during a world series championship that speak for two minutes and 42 seconds straight without letting it breathe. And you're going like, just let the emotion go. Is that like going through your mind at all in that, in that sense? Because it is a absolutely.
1: Perfect yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's two distinctions that, you know, as a play by play person, you have to make there. It's the, it's again, you, you want the crowd to be a part of it because the crowd is part of the voice of the night, right? It's, mm-hmm. In that case, it was me, it was Larry, it was the crowd like those are the sounds that the natural sounds that we get um when you go to a game and and you want to be able to to let that happen but um but at the same point, it's radio, so like at a, there's a certain responsibility to describe what is still happening on the field um and in this case they they can be um you know giant celebrations that people want to be in on mm-hmm. right so you want to give it time for the crowd to roar and for the crowd to sort of let that emotion out but you also want to tell the listener who's not there at the game they're they're you know they're mobbing Roy Halliday or you know they're they've dumped the bucket on Bryce Harper or they've you know, after the walk off home run or and it's blue, the, right, the like, Gatorade is blue, <laughs> right? Well, whatever the, the, uh, the, whatever it is, the, the bear hug that Ryan Howard, yeah. you know, tackles Jimmy Rollins with or whatever, you know, like those are the things that I think that that's the hard line to walk when you're doing it on radio is, um, is being able to say, look, uh, I want to let the crowd breathe, but I also want to explain what is happening yeah. in this moment, you know? Well,
0: that's like Kevin Harlan, right? When he did describe the uh, the streaker in a football game. It's like, why are we going blank here? We're talking about somebody. He just described it going, and I think every fan has listened to that part, and he's like, he's at the 10. He stops. He says hi to the ref, and he's to the five. <laughs> you know, right. and it's like one of those moments where you're going like, dang. Like, I felt like I knew exactly what was going on based on that. And it, it reverts back to what you're saying is like the crowd is, you know, the voice of the night. And, and you and right. you need to hear that. You need to be able to, as a person that's not in that crowd, be a part of it.
1: Yeah. And I don't know what the sweet spot is. Uh, <laughs> 12 seconds, 14 seconds, 22 yeah. seconds, a minute and a half. I mean, I don't know what that sweet spot is. And it probably varies. You know, night to night and and uh with the the moment, the emotion, you know, I, I do know that, you know, those great calls on television that, you know, you listen back to so many, you know, like Vin Scully and, oh, yeah. and, uh you know, the Kirk Gibson home run and, you know, she is gone and then it's just boom, just it's crowd. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a long time before he says that, you know, in a season of, uh you know, improbables or whatever the impossible has just happened or whatever it was he had um uh like that's it's i mean obviously it's it's beautiful it's great it it but you have those pictures that carry the the broadcast oh yeah. oh yeah um and we don't have that luxury um you know we just it's just not the way it is on radio so you got you know you got to play with it
0: well what's fun is that like you you get that youtube video and you know, now that you could basically put, uh, embed everything over the top of it and that play, the last play with Juan Castro spinning it, you know, over at third base in the hole to fire to get the last one to Ryan Howard, it was like, well, Scott's a part of that. We get to see it. We get to see what he's seeing right there in that moment. And that's the beauty of like what technology's done today. It's like, we're, you know, Apple TV, you can get MLB.com, you can get all the, uh, you know, the games and, and overlay all our voices over the TV. Sorry, Tom. But, I mean, it's it, it, that's the cool part. You get to be a part of it.
1: Well, I'll tell you one story before uh, we wrap it up about that night is that, you know, the uh, Flyers were <clears throat> in the postseason. They were in the Stanley Cup, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jim Jackson wasn't available to us. He was he was busy doing the hockey. So I was doing the postgame show, uh, which meant I had to do a recap and play back highlights of the game and things like that. Uh, we had sent Larry down to try to get an interview with Doc because we could not get him to the headset. Kevin Gregg was our PR guy at the time, and we were texting back and forth. He said, I'm trying, I'm trying. Look, it's not going to happen. let us uh, We have to take him to the interview room because uh, he's going to do a press conference. So is there a way you can get in on that audio? Like we had sent Larry down. He tried to get a one-on-one with him, and Rich Doobie scowled at him and got him out of there and all this stuff totally Total Rich Doobie style, too. Anyways, so we're like, all right, sure. We'll take the we'll, – let's give us something on the postgame show, right? We'll take the press conference audio. So I'm doing the recap of the game, you know, hey, and the, nothing's of course, there's no highlights to play, really. Yeah. It's a couple of defensive plays, as it turns out to be. But a one nothing game, there's um, n- not much to play back. So I'm recapping the game, and, uh, and I'm looking at our engineer, the great Jim Yelton. Jimmy Elton was this, uh, you know, just kind of this hippie guy, and we were never totally one hundred percent sure if he was with us or not. Um, (laughs) He was uh, such a wonderful guy, and we had so much fun with him over the years. But um, you know, you you always kind of got this like, you know, is he is he is he there? And uh, so he's he's with us, and you know, he's sweating profusely because everybody is sweating profusely in that press box, and uh, he's trying to get. The interview room patched into the broadcast. Well, meanwhile, down on the field, they've rolled out the flatbed truck for the salsa concert. <laughs> Sat- Saturday night, post-game concert with some salsa band. They're letting all the fans on the field, you know, in the roped-off areas and whatever, and they've got the flatbed out there, and they're, they're, they've started their concert. So it's playing in the background. I'm doing the highlights. All this stuff's happening. And Jim gives me the thumbs up. We see on the monitor Roy comes, sits down at the table, and I say, all right, we know Roy's in the interview room. We're going to go down there now and hear what Roy Halliday has to say about his uh, perfect game. And all you hear is the salsa music, loud and just booming. <laughs> all right. I look back, and I'm like, ah, that's not quite it. And Jim flustered look on his face. He pulls a couple of chords out of the wall. There's like a little patch panel on yeah. the wall where you can switch the chords around. So he switches it around, you know, checks the fader or whatever, and then looks back at me and gives me the thumbs up again. I said, all right, let's try it again. Boom. Salsa music again. (laughs) I'm like, all right, that's not going to work. Finally, Jim goes, yes, yes, yes. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. One more try or whatever. So we go to it again. Still doesn't work. I go... (laughs) <laughs> Tomorrow morning, we hope to have Roy Halladay on the pregame show, oh my but God. that'll do it for tonight. Um, but yeah, that was uh, oh, and we did. So we ended good. up. Uh, I remember we had uh, we went and got Roy on the pregame show the next morning, but uh, we couldn't get him on the air that night of his perfect game. Oh, it's
0: so classic. That is yeah. awesome. Well, I uh, I appreciate you sharing the stories, buddy. And uh, you know, I know for all the Phillies fans, it's great to hear you on here. Um, enjoy the chicken coop the kids tell them hi and lori all right we'll
1: do we'll do all right give Mays a give Mays a scratch for me all, all right? right will he's just
0: laying right here on the love sack all right, all right <laughs> very good take care see <laughs> ya yeah. my oh my wasn't that good uh scott fransky doing scott fransky things telling the stories and Everything that you would want to know about the Roy Halladay perfect game right here on Pintar for Breakfast. This episode was brought to you by Campo's Deli, the best cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. Appreciate you, the listener, listening today to the 10-year anniversary mark of Scott Fransky calling Roy Halladay's perfect game right here on Pintar for Breakfast. Until next time, peace!